I'm really excited about this new sermon series. This one is going to be great. We're going to take three weeks to talk about this really important concept called he's still got the whole world in his hands. And at times, it doesn't necessarily feel like that. At times, it feels like it might be that ping pong ball that's bouncing all over. But we're going to keep coming back to this fact that God still has the whole world in his hands. We're going to look at this over the next few weeks. And Pastor Trent is going to talk to us next week about how do we actually pray until peace comes. And what does that look like? When the author in 1 Thessalonians 5.18 said to pray continually, how do we actually live a life like that? And then Trent's going to end this sermon series in a couple weeks just talking to us about hope. What does it actually mean to be hope and what's that gift of hope that we actually give to the world? I, I want you to go just for a minute into the upper room. I want you to look around. What do you see? Do you see the disciples sitting there? The disciples are celebrating the Passover. It was a, a meal that, that they chose to remember what had happened years ago. 400 years they were slaves. They had no hope. They were stuck. And then God in his great wisdom finally sent a rescuer. A deliverer. His name was Moses. And Moses declared this, you know what, we're, we're going to leave tomorrow, but tonight an angel of death is going to pass over the land that we call Egypt. He's going to kill every firstborn son unless you put blood on the doorposts. Now, 1,400 years later, Jesus and the disciples are going to have a Passover meal. They had done this before, but this time was different. Things had been great. There was lots of people that were following Jesus, lots of people that were coming to, to hear Jesus speak. And they were feeling, this group of disciples were feeling like, this is the time that we are made for. And suddenly, Jesus began talking about his death. And they kind of filtered out all of that in their own way of thinking, because it's very similar to our way of thinking. If God is with you, if God is working and moving around you, then things will always get better. Whenever God shows up, the story always ends with a positive. If you have your Bibles, I'd love for you at home to turn to Mark chapter 14. If you don't, it'll be on the screen. Look at verse 17. When Jesus came, Jesus arrived with the twelve while they were reclining at the table eating. Jesus said, truly, I tell you, one of you will betray me. The one who is eating with me, they were saddened. And one by one, they said to him, surely you don't mean me. It's one of the twelve, he replied, the one who dips bread into the bowl with me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him, but woe to the man who betrays the Son of God. It would be better for him if he had not been born. While they were eating, Jesus took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples saying, Take eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and all drank from it. This is the blood of my new covenant which is poured out for many, he said to them. 
Truly I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the day I drink it anew in the kingdom of God. Then the last verse, verse 26, when they sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Did you catch it? it? It changed really fast. Do you understand or catch the feelings of the the disciples that were gathered around that table. How could this be happening? The Bible is is full of stories written, taking place in the midst of extraordinary uncertainty, much like today. This is not your, your Facebook or Instagram feed where everything looks so great. This is a book about the brokenness of this world, but then there's a rescuer. His name is Jesus. The Bible is the perfect place for us to run to in the midst of uncertainty because that familiar story that you grew up with, that familiar story that your parents shared with you, that familiar story that you love to have repeated over and over and over again, Maybe that favorite passage of scripture that you have on your wall was written for such a time as this. Every single story, every single passage, every single verse is something that we draw hope on and security in in the midst of uncertainty. In the midst of uncertainty when you couldn't even trace God's hand, when it seemed like God was absent we still discover that God is trustworthy. We find stories that that many of us are familiar with, like the one about that teenager teenager named Joseph. You know, the one he had problems with his older brothers. He finds himself in the bottom of a well, and above he can hear the murmuring of his, his brothers asking each other, should we sell him or kill him? Joseph is in the bottom of a well, and you read the story, and you discover that God was actually with Joseph. Or how about this? You read a story about King David, and he is awakened one day to discover that his son has raised an army and is about to invade the capital city to conquer him and to replace him as king. You discover that God was in the middle of that and was with David. Or maybe this one, it's a story that most of us heard growing up of a mother who had a baby son and was told that Pharaoh decided to murder all the the baby boys. This mother wraps up her newborn son and puts him in a basket in the Nile River. And you discover that God was there and that little baby was found and that baby was named Moses and he became the deliverer of a nation. But before she knew the end of the story, where was God in that? Well, how about Mary and Joseph who discovered that King Herod was working under the assumption that there was a baby who was born who was going to become the the Jewish king And so King Herod decided that he was going to wipe out a whole generation of Jewish little boys. And Mary and Joseph and Jesus escape. And they escape to all places. They go back to Egypt. And you discover that God was right in the middle of all of that. 
And somehow God still had his hands in control of the world. Every single story where it seems like things have spun out of control and all the momentum is actually backwards momentum. You see God has, God's activity has stopped. The bad guys have won. Evil kings have, are winning. The gods of pagan empires have won. You discover in the midst of all that extraordinary uncertainty, there's a God and nothing has changed. And he still has the whole world in his hands. Well, let's go back to that story we started this service with in, in Mark. This would have sucked the breath right out of these guys. Jesus said this, while they were eating, Jesus took bread and when he'd given thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples. And he said, you've been eating the Passover meal since you were children, but from now on when you eat it, you're going to realize this is my body broken for you. Then he took the cup and when he'd given thanks, he said, this is the blood of the new covenant which is poured out for many. And he foreshadows what's going to take place just in a few days when he's going to be nailed to the cross. In verse 27, it says this, By the way, not only will one of you betray me, you will all fall away. Peter, we know Peter, he's, he's following along, he's thinking, enough of this, enough negative, enough bad news, enough about death, enough about arrest or betrayal. There's no way we're going to allow this to happen. Because if God's with you, and you're the son of God, this is not how this story is supposed to end. In verse 29, Peter says this, Even if all fall away, I'm not. I won't. Because that's not how the story's supposed to go. We know how Peter responded when he was confronted by that little girl. So we're just going to keep coming back in the next few weeks to this question. Can you trust God? Can you maintain faith in God when there's absolutely no evidence of his activity in your life? Can you continue to embrace faith in God as a personal heavenly father when it looks so bleak? Unfortunately, we've been so prosperous as a, as a people that it's easy for us to equate God's blessing with forward motion. We don't really know anything else. I imagine that if you were to go to the disciples months later after this event and ask them this question, guys, when was the darkest moment as you followed Jesus? When did you think that you made a mistake in, in following him? I believe they would have said to you, it began when we gathered around that dinner table to celebrate Passover. And we realized things weren't going to get better. Maybe they, they were talking amongst themselves and thought, maybe this is a false Messiah. Maybe we've wasted three and a half years of our life. But then if you ask the, the disciples, where in your time with Jesus do you think God was doing his greatest work? they would be quick to respond. The healing of that lame guy. The healing of the blind guy. Maybe it was standing outside of Lazarus, 
tomb and when Lazarus came forth, that was the time when God's presence was most with us. That was when God was doing the most. Those very same hours when it seemed like he was absent, when it seemed like he was missing, when the world was dark, God was doing his greatest work. And when it seemed like God was completely inactive, he was most active because those dark hours were the epicenter of our salvation. These would be the hours, those dark hours, that people all over the world would look back and rejoice in God's goodness and grace. But if you asked us in the moment, we would have said game over, wasted time. He certainly wasn't a man of God. God seems to take broken things and do his most amazing work. God seems to wait for the last moment to do his work. Let's be honest, you and I would never allow things to get as as bad as they can. But in God's way, in God's timing, the greatest things become the greatest things in the biggest messes. The most amazing works of God are generally attached to brokenness. This is what God does. So we keep coming back to that question. Will we maintain faith when we can't see his hand? As our faith begins to stutter and begins to shake and as we waver just a little bit. And as we begin to look to the right and to the left, when we start to look at our circumstances and we begin to doubt, where do we go? The truth about the Bible and who God is allows us to embrace this uncertainty with this certainty of knowing that God is still in control. It actually teaches us to keep our eyes attentive and our ears attentive to, to see the activity of God. But so often, we're like the characters that are found in in the Bible. Romans 8, Paul wrote this in verse 23. Not only so, but we ourselves, who are the firstfruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but the hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not have, we need to wait for it patiently. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We don't know what to pray for, so the Spirit intercedes through us. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people. And then this verse, verse 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. Although life is uncertain, God is not. And God still has his hands in control of the world. He still has the whole world in his hands. So today, you and I have this opportunity to embrace a a faithful God, even though circumstances around us seem difficult or impossible. Because he's still got the whole world in his hands. God is still in in the throne. God is still a God that we worship with abandon. Our God is still a God that we can continue to trust. 
Our God still has the whole world in his hands. Well, as we wrap this up, let me just give you a few practical things to think through this week. The, the first one, and these will come on the slides. Where does uncertainty appear in our life? Where does it come from in our lives? Uncertainty can, uh, can appear in our lives when we struggle to understand who God is. Un uncertainty in our life can appear from a lack of trust when we don't trust God. Uncertainty can happen when we enter in different stages of life. Transitions are hard. And uncertainty can always come from stress like we're facing now. So that defines what uncertainty is. What's Jesus' remedy for uncertainty? Last week I gave you the challenge of reading James. This week I want you to read Luke chapter 7. It's a great little passage of scripture and it brings back a character in the story, John the Baptist, who led the way for Jesus. And John sent some messengers, because John was in prison, he sent some messengers to, to go and talk to Jesus. And these messengers came, and as they saw Jesus, the very first question they asked is, are you the one? Are you the one? And then they followed it up with, should we expect someone else? And here's how Jesus responds, and it's a great response for us when we come to uncertainty. The very first thing that Jesus does with these messengers is Jesus offers transformation, not information. Jesus didn't recite a, a bunch of answers in an answer to John the Baptist's question, or recite prophecies, or suddenly recount the miracles that he had been involved in. Jesus simply offered stories of transformation. Jesus tells John's uh, disciples, John's messengers, to take back to John stories about the blind receiving sight, the lame people walking, and people returning to faith in God. The second thing that Jesus does is Jesus encourages faith more than answers. Jesus didn't give John all the answers that he needed, but supplies John with what he needed so that his doubts can lead to a deeper faith. When John wanted answers, Jesus gave him a call to deeper faith. Do you know that the word faith is used over 255 times in the New Testament? Here's some ways that faith helps us. By faith, worry goes away. By faith, fear goes away. By faith, our sins are forgiven. By faith, we're healed. By faith, miracles can happen. By faith, we start on the path to understanding. By faith, you and I are saved. And here's the third thing. Jesus offers salvation over solutions. Let's be honest, we all want quick answers to difficult questions. Jesus, as he heard this question from John, assumed that John wanted a, a solution from, from Jesus as he's stuck in prison. Instead, Jesus offered eternal salvation. So as we wrap up our time this morning, here's simple, the simple question that, that we just need to ask ourselves in this midst of, of uncertainty that you and I are facing? Where do we need Jesus to come in and, and save us? 
Let me pray, and then as we come out of prayer, there's going to be a a few questions that I want to ask you. But let's pray. God, thank you that you're a God who is still in control. In the midst of uncertainty, you're still a God who is moving, who is active, who's alive, who still holds the entire world in his hands. And God, we thank you that you are still lavishing your love on us as people, that you haven't abandoned us, that you keep calling us into the deep. Lord, we love you. We ask all this in your name. Amen. As we journey through this sermon series just on, he's got, he's still got the whole world in his hands. We're going to keep coming back to the question of, in times of uncertainty, are you still holding true to who God is? The question that I want you to, to wrestle through this week is, as you go about your life, and your life might feel like it's all routine, is What are you holding on to in times of uncertainty? Many things have got stripped away. Our jobs have got stripped away. Our our normal routine has got stripped away. That feeling of a vacation or the feeling of a bonus at work has got stripped away. What are we holding on to in times of uncertainty? Early in the message, I challenged you to to go back into the Bible, to read that familiar story, to start to see yourself in the pages of Scripture. Because our God is still a God who's got the whole world in His hands. In a few minutes, there's going to be a survey that comes to you from, from us at the church. It's just asking you some simple questions just about what your experience has been like, what you're looking for into the future. Even in the midst of the uncertainty that we have as a church on when we can gather, when can we meet again and have that potluck meal, we still have a God who is on the throne. We still have a God who's got the whole world in his hands. May this week, may you find joy in the midst of uncertainty. May you find a new relationship that you didn't expect. And may your relationship with God grow deeper and deeper. We'll see you next Sunday.